0: This is Utah Weekly Forum, a public affairs show dedicated to learning more about the issues affecting our lives and health and exploring the resources available in our diverse communities to help. Here's your host, Rebecca Cressman.
2: Glad you're here today. And, you know, today we're going to be talking about trees, which is interesting because when you're a homeowner or when you live in a neighborhood, um, it's something that comes up. People are, you know, coming down going, how do you do this? What should we be doing this? And there is a concern for particular trees because of something that's moving in to our state. So I went to who I believe is is one of the top arborists in the state of Utah. Angel Lopez is an ISA certified arborist. Uh, he runs Angel Tree Care. He has been president of the Utah Community. Forest Council and past president of the International Society of Arbiculture and uh, many other services and I know that he is dependent upon throughout the community and and I'll just say this Angel has helped me when I've uh, been in need with giant cottonwoods in my house so Angel thank you so much for being here today. Oh you're welcome. You know we were talking about trees and and it's interesting because um, you know people share tips on how to garden and when's the best time of the year to plant this but when it comes to our knowledge about Trees, we just, it, you know, often just plant it in the garden, you know, the ground, and then cross our fingers and go. But as you and I were talking, you said that there is a threat moving into the state of Utah. So can you share with us that?
1: Yes. Yeah, so there's a pest that's been on the radar for USDA for such a long time since uh, 2002. It was identified in Michigan, uh, a pest called Emerald Ash Borer, and since then, it has moved into the New England states, almost all the eastern seaboard. It has crossed over uh, the, the Mississippi, and now it is in, present in Texas and Colorado. So
2: literally, it has been crawling and flying more and more west from the eastern seaboard. Yes, over. that is correct. And it's taken almost 20 years yes. to arrive here.
1: Yeah. Um, the latest uh, information that we have heard um usually was, oh, they have, that this pest has actually killed um, over 90 million trees. But the latest one I heard was it has killed billions oh, of ash trees. And the one that we're most concerned about is ash trees. Um, over the past couple of years, we have talked to uh nurserymen and um, all the people that are in the tree care industry and literally been shouting from their rooftops, do not plant any more ash trees because these trees are going to be on death's doorstep, basically—that's
2: oh, horrible to hear. Because ash trees are beautiful. Just across the street from me is one of the most beautiful trees in Utah County. It's a giant ash tree. I would say it's a hundred feet. Am I exaggerating? <laughs>
1: Just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's, okay. it's,
2: it's a really—it's you know much taller than the roof of the home and provides this incredible shade. The kids climb on it, and it's—it's it's at risk.
1: Yeah, and I mean some of the most important factors of living here on the Wasatch Front is you know the beauty. But on top of that, our air quality. So just imagine that all these ash trees and different varieties of ash trees, like Crosser Street is an autumn purple ash, but there are white ash, there are green ash, um, and there are sub-varieties of of ashes in between there, and they're all susceptible to this pest. And of of what I saw, uh, the tree inventories within the Wasatch Front, these ash trees comprise somewhere and anywhere between 8 and 15% of the urban forest canopy. So if we were to lose that amount of trees in a given amount of time, our quality would just be junk. Right. Overnight. So
2: yeah, we'd have a loss of air quality and I think about the beautiful birds and, you know, the the animals that yeah. that depend yeah. on that, that canopy yeah. of that's, leaves and trees. Too. Yeah, that's correct. Mm-hmm. The,
1: that those trees um are almost for you know, For birds, like you say, for beauty, the property value, um, there is pictures, and I've seen it firsthand when you go back east, of tree-lined streets that had ash trees, and they're now gone. Oh, it,
0: that's horrible. All,
1: all they're doing now is just replanting, and not replanting the same tree, but something else different.
2: Right, because they know that the ash is vulnerable. And you said it's the emerald boar
1: Emerald ash borer. Okay, is what and it's it
2: is. And when you think about the color emerald, I've looked at this online, and it is the color of an emerald. Yes, and I, I'm, it looks a little bit like a cockroach. But imagine that <laughs> kind of green and shiny and beautiful <laughs> in color. But does it? What does it do that attacks the ash trees that actually kills it?
1: So what ends up happening is as they migrate in. I, I guess that's. Uh, we'll talk about how. Uh, let's first talk about how it moves in. Okay, yeah, so please Usually do. it's a flight pattern that comes in. But on top of that, once the pest has come into the area and decimated trees, their eggs and larva are still in the trees and they've not emerged or they're still in pupa stage. And then people cut this wood and sometimes move it across state lines. Oh, wow. So there's many ways that this pest can move around.
2: Or if you buy online, uh, you know, trees online and have them delivered from someone east coast to uh, plant know, ash, right? And yeah. then you could be transplanting something that already has the emerald in it. Well, mm-hmm.
1: uh, it seems that most of the yeah. stuff that most of our uh, nurserymen in the state here, yeah. they know that they'll get trees from the Pacific Northwest, Idaho, or locally source them. But still, at that fact, why are we still planting these ash trees? But as we've talked about, um, these many, so I've mm-hmm. been part of other forums as well. And usually, this pest comes in, um, it only can migrate so many hundreds of yards and, and miles and, and make a slow crawl. But usually, us humans <laughs> usually cut down these trees and then we move them. And we move this wood either for, for woodworking, slabs, firewood. And when it gets moved across state lines, that's the the biggest problem, and and we really don't want to propagate that. And, and our uh, great concern that the the city and county of Denver uh, has put across the, their social media platform for this pest is off off the charts. They they have this uh, website called Be a Smart Ash, uh, and yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a but flammel. you'll remember that, right? <laughs> yes, of course. Mm-hmm. And it, they literally. In detail, talk about on their website what to do, how to look for this pest, how to report it, and what to do, how to treat, who to contact to, to treat these things. And so the problem comes in with this. So the adult, this little, this little half inch long pest will come onto the tree and feed. And, and this pest doesn't live that long, is the problem. It only lives for weeks, but it feeds on the leaves. And after it feeds, then it needs to mate. So it has to mate and then the female will lay eggs on the trunk and then these eggs will hatch and they turn into larva and they go through the tree, through the bark, into what's called the cambium layer of the tree and that's where they wreck the tree. Mm. That's They go in a zigzag pattern and as these patterns overlap from so many of these pests, it destroys the method of water mineral nutrient transfer and that's why you see these trees just die almost overnight if they get hit by oh, this
2: Oh, isn't that just so sad to think about? And, and you know, the, obviously, for those who've just joined us, you're listening to the voice of someone who's an expert on trees. He's an ISA-certified arborist. We're talking to Angel Lopez. He runs Angel Tree Care, and we're talking about uh, an insect that is uh, at the borders of the state of Utah and threatening ash trees, um throughout the country billions of trees have been lost and and number one how to prevent this how to treat I um, will talk about that as well but understanding that you said these enter the cambrian level of the tree so if we think about what's inside bark we actually have almost like a vascular system within a tree where it's moving not only water but nutrients and minerals up and down so that it can you know move from the roots up all the way to the top and and uh, give nutrition to the very tippy top leaves that that is Mm -hmm.
1: correct Rebecca so once this pest comes in the larva is actually what's actually killing the tree okay it's not the adult the adult is just it looks like a I mean, it looks pretty. Like, I just, hate to
2: say that. It's green and, you know, it's a pretty emerald color. Yeah, but, yeah, I
1: mean, but this is probably one of the most destructive pests in North America currently that mm-hmm. is just killing tree after tree after tree. And the problem here is that it's come to the point that uh, some towns and some states, they're not giving up, but it's more of like they've stopped the preventative stuff and now it's managing because once the pest comes in it they call that little time frame when the pest comes in and just decimates the tree population they call that the death wave because mm-hmm. it literally looks like death has come out of nowhere on on these trees and now that we know and most arborists within the Wasatch front know about this pest and we're we're all kind of... Un, at unease uh, for this pest because a lot of people have these trees and we want to do what's best for these trees. So as you were talking, um, we we do understand a little bit of tree biology that this this area within the tree cambium, which holds phloem and xylem, does move water, mineral, and nutrients up and down the tree. So that is probably going to be the best way to Do preventative measures or active measures if the tree has the pest, or if it's within the surrounding area, what to treat and how to do it. So, uh, most questions that I get is, can we treat these trees um, at a small age? Yes, yes, we can when they're when they're under five inches in diameter at the trunk level. You can you can do treatments that you can mix and. Pour at the base of the tree. Uh, The method is called soil drenching where you mix this insecticide, pour it on the ground, and let the tree roots take it up and up into the canopy of the tree. And the mode of transport is that water that moves it up into the canopy. And we're trying to get that time frame when these adults are actually eating on the leaves. So they'll be eating the toxicant, that that uh, insecticide that's in the that's in the leaves that would throughout. be
2: when it's most effective.
1: Yes, uh, versus
2: when the larvae are inside the the trunk itself. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's gonna
1: be a it's gonna be a widespread effort of what to do. So if if there's some adults that don't eat the leaves or they just come on there to lay eggs and you haven't killed those adults, so now it's when these larvae are eating through the cambium where the insecticide is actually traveling through. Then they'll, then they'll die right in that point. So that's what we're trying to do and try to educate most homeowners within the Wasatch Front. So
2: are homeowners that have more than one ash tree at greater risk? You know, I, I think about the lone tree across the street. Mm-hmm. Now, we have a lot of trees in our neighborhood, but it might be the only ash uh, tree in our – even as I say that, I'm thinking maybe not. Did I plant a tricolor uh, I, <laughs> you, I? you
1: you planted a tricolor beach. It's not okay, a, beach. Good. No, so that's, I was like, that's, you know. that's the thing is av- having to educate the public what type of trees they have. That way, they know what's happening with their current trees because every tree is going to have a a different pest or an issue. So, being informative of wanting to know what's in my yard. I mean, you mm-hmm. should at least have that in. Uh, under the under control, where you know what you have, but on top of that, knowing what issues are with your current trees, and I would say on a regular, any block that you're in Salt Lake, you're literally within you're literally within a hundred yards of an ash tree every oh, wow. time. Wow,
2: so very popularly planted, especially forty years ago, fifty years ago, and even up until just a few years ago, and that's until the arborist said, "Hold on." This is at risk. Yeah, right. If if someone goes to an arborist, not everyone is not always um, educated and going. Oh, we know for gardening, we go to the extension service, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. But I'll tell you, it wasn't until I had a chance to meet you that I knew. Wow, um, you know, when I'm talking about taking care of my trees, I need to be talking to an arborist. (laughs) You know, and so for those who've just joined us, we're talking to Angel Lopez of Angel uh, Tree Care, a certified arborist. We're talking about uh, the Emerald. Ash That is correct. All right. And uh, how close is it right now to the state of Utah? Do we kind of know?
1: Uh, we're right now uh, of what I see and for my counterparts in Colorado that they're it, – it's it, – if it's in the next state over, it's at our doorstep. Okay. But it's been at our doorstep for quite a while, um, whether that's been because they've done really great job over in Colorado. Um, and mean, holding it back. Yeah. I mean mm-hmm. they're doing a great job. I mean – literally their their platform is amazing out there it really is and what they've done and what they've done proactively to control that that's great but now it's to the management stage now all it takes is one person to do one silly thing and it's in our state really that's what it comes down to right now USU um, is on their website it, there's no detection and on the site. It says there's no detection in our in our state, but is that going to change? yeah, at some point as soon happens. as it's identified, yeah, and we might not know until like after a year or two after it's in the state that it's actually there,
2: so for those who have ash trees, you know number one, uh, angel is recommending walk around your property and and make sure you can identify what your trees are. People are kind of more trained to recognize the the leaf of an ape of a maple mm. or the leaf of an oak. Maybe less trained on how to identify the leaf of an ash, um, but identify what type of tree you have. If you have an ash tree that is mature, what is the first thing you do? Do you walk about it, keep an eye like weekly, and look on the leaves and and see whether you whether or not um, they become vulnerable to the boar? If you spot it, or what's the, what's your recommendation?
1: So usually, when it comes, if you have a larger mature tree, at that point, it's going to be talking to an arborist okay. at that point because okay. it's something that's probably not going to be within your your realm to actually look because you're going to be looking for certain things. Uh, one of the things that you'd be looking for on an ash tree is a D-shaped exit hole. So a hole that looks kind of like a D and it's – Lowercase or capital D? Uh, capital D.
2: Capital D. It okay. looks like
1: a D-shaped exit hole. If you if you go on the emeraldashborer.info site, it it shows this hole. I mean, and these holes are – I mean, they look like D-shaped exit holes. That, that's exactly what it is. Almost be-
2: like it was cut out of yeah. a puzzle piece. Mm-hmm.
1: Because the adult, when once it emerges out of the tree, um, or I should say, the the newly emerged emerald ash borer that comes out of the tree after it's been through its larva and pupa stage, it has this flat back and around kind of round body, and so when it exit out, it it, it exit out as a D. So that's that's the one thing, but it's not to be confused with a different pest. That's Normally happens to almost all ash trees, and it's not like the most detrimental pest, but it does cause some damage, and that one is called lilac ash borer. And that one looks like a circular hole that's all over um, the tree. And that is – it's sad to say it's almost normal to see it on any ash tree in the Wasatch Front. Hmm. It does that. Pass is a little bit different. It weakens the structure of the limb or the tree, and if it's concentrated in a tight pattern, then it actually can cause death of a limb or a stem. And sometimes it does cause the death of the tree. So, it, it, uh, another issue, but but not to be confused. So, one is circular. Um, that one's lilac. So
2: on leaves, you'd see circular no, holes, no, or on the, the trunk, trunk. Okay. on the trunk, mm-hmm. on
1: the trunk, you would see. Um, circular holes for lilac ash borer, for emerald ash borer, if you have an ash and you see a D-shaped exit hole, you report it immediately. And you report it to who? You rep- You, you want to get at least USU involved immediately.
2: The USU Extension yep. Services. Okay. The, your
1: local extension. So, and then after that, probably get a hold of an arborist mm-hmm. at that point, because you're going to need to do some remediation efforts on how to treat, what to do, and And what to move forward.
2: So what I'm hearing from you is, number one, don't plant ash because they're at great risk right now. Number two, uh, make sure you're identifying the type of tree you have in your yard so you're aware of it. And number three, if you do have an ash um, and it's a mature ash, you're going to want to reach out to an arborist and have them check your tree uh, for this emerald uh, ash borer. Um, because they can, you know, I'll, I'll just say this when the uh, first time I uh, was lucky enough to find Angel um, and his expertise, we needed to remove giant cottonwoods from my backyard. And they were cottonless cottonwoods and they're beautiful trees. So it was heartbreaking to have to remove them, but they were dying and diseased and, and too big for the space we were in. And um, he comes in, and there are cranes at my house, and there are 4,000 pound trees carefully being guided uh, across. And, and he's instructing me on, on you know, wind blow and, and, and how the trees around me need to be taken care of. And uh, so there is a lot for us to learn. And, and I think there, some of us learn about fruit trees, you know, oh gosh, there's the people. Each bore have lost that, but you know, in order to keep these beautiful trees thriving in our communities, you know, there's resources to help us. Yes. Just to learn a, a bit more about it,
1: yeah, there always is. And the best thing that we can do preemptively is to try to keep our trees as healthy and vigorous as possible. That is really the key. At that point, um, there are certain trees that just don't get hit by the pest. That are ash trees and literally what they want to know is if that's if it's one of those trees people want to know about those trees too um it 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 happens ever so often it's not normal but i mean i think the the last webcast that i saw about uh, emerald-borer if that's the case they want to propagate that tree they want i mean it would be a beautiful thing to have an ash tree that is is resistant to this pest and that would be a beautiful thing i mean is that going to happen who knows but in the meantime, we need to keep our trees as healthy and vigorous as possible. And the the kickback that I get from most homeowners is, well, how do I do that, Angel? Because, I mean, we're in a drought. And the only way to move the insecticide from the base, whether it be put into the ground or directly injected into the tree, and uh, there's many different um, insecticides that can be used for the to kill this pest, is – You have to have good water flow. If there's no water flow, then this insecticide is not going to get to the all the way tippy tops of the canopy to protect your tree. So, and I know that's an issue right now. I mean,
2: but you know what's interesting on you know on gardening sites because that's a a love of mine. Even though my yard doesn't have a big garden in it at this point, I love to learn about it. And, And you know, one of the ongoing conversations is if you're going to have to cut watering. Cut the watering to the grass because it can go dormant uh, and survive. So you can lower the water, and how shall I say that for the grass. But when it comes to the tree, that should be a priority.
1: That is right? always a priority. The,
2: yeah, and, and that because it does so many things and at the beginning of the interview, Angel was sharing with us, you know, our air quality in Utah, it's one of the worst in the countries. And and, and sometimes it has reached the worst in the country. And um, the, the one of the, the incredible environmental benefits of a tree is that it is adding to Uh, the health of the air that we breathe that the animals around us breathe as well Uh, and it also provides that canopy, the branches and the shades provide that respite from heat. So my neighbors across the street with their big mature ash their grass is a completely different color green than mine because it's underneath the canopy of a shade tree that has protected it from this 107 temp hasn't dried out. So there's an important role of trees. I'm telling you and you're the guy. So So what is your recommendation I remember you saying to me, the best way to water a tree is a drip line. Is that true for all trees? or
1: it's For most trees, it's going to be within the drip line. Within the drip line, there's an area that's called the critical root zone. If you can water in that area, um, it's usually going to be a couple feet out from the trunk. On a mature tree, it's going to be a couple feet out from the, from the base of the tree, from that trunk area. Just bet- It's a sweet spot between there and the drip line. That's probably going to be the best way to do it. Um, if you can water and and the problem that most people think is that all trees go dormant in the wintertime. That is, you know, it's, it's not true. It's not true. I mean, there, your, your ash trees do drop these leaves, but the root system is super active. And if there's no water, then we have a problem, Uh, you know, and I, I know that you run, Rebecca, Yeah, you run and you jog. And uh, one of the, I always use this analogy with clients that uh hydration is key uh when it comes to when it comes to the overall health of the tree like when you run like have you i'm pretty sure you've run like a half marathon or a marathon marathon Mm -hmm. what is the most important key hydration hydration yeah okay let's just say the first six miles you don't drink water yeah, you have you do not have the sustaining strength you don't. to move forward. Correct. Mm-hmm. And then some people think, oh, okay, well, my trees didn't get water in the wintertime. We didn't get the snow that we, we got. So I'm just going to double up on the water. If you do that in a race, y- your body can't take it. Right. And it, neither can the it trees. It needs a
2: steady source of hydration.
1: Correct. Okay. And there is areas within the soil called micropores and macropores. And one of them holds air and the other one holds water. And if and if you're overfilling the area with just water, then that perfect balance so the tree can actually do its thing, it's not going to happen.
2: Okay, I had never thought of this. So now we're coming out of this this drought, very, very hot. I've been thinking, oof, I don't have to worry as much about watering as we're moving into the winter because we're going to gratefully get snow and those things. And I guess what you're sharing with me is if we don't get a lot of moisture, uh, which we may not in November – and December and or even January and onward, we need to be thinking about the roots of our trees and providing them moisture.
1: Yeah. And that's key. And there's there's many things that you can look online on winter watering. But usually what you want to do if if the next overnight low is uh doesn't go below thirty-five, you water. I mean, you literally water. Because we are basically Dancing, praying, doing whatever we can to get moisture to fall on our on our beautiful state, and it's not coming, and yeah. it's not coming. If you go to almost every other reservoir here in this state, it look they look like puddles, and it's it's very very. It's sad heartbreaking,
2: to see. isn't it? Yeah, not just because we're a state that is so dependent upon uh, of agriculture, but because of the entire ec- ecosystem uh, that that requires that water, that needs that water. Uh, we have just two minutes left together. And this is Angel Lopez, who has Angel Tree Care. For those who want more information, Angel, not only about the emerald ash borer and, and their ash trees, what is the best way... Number one, for them to reach you, if they want to have you come out, take a look at the health of their trees,
1: what's the best way for them to reach you? The best way, if they want to reach me direct, and I'll answer any questions, is just to call me direct or text me. Literally, I mean, forget my website, forget all that. If they want to know questions about this particular pest, call me directly, 801 uh, 420-6055, or email me at angeltreecare at yahoo.com.
2: Angeltreecare at com. So remember that as well. And then um, for, you mentioned the USU Extension Service has information about the emerald boar there as well.
1: Yes, they do. But the, uh, they have a really good site, and so does the website that I sent you to, info.
2: Okay, Emerald. Ashbor.info Angel Lopez, thank you so much uh, for sharing your knowledge and wisdom and and giving us information we need to try to do our very best to protect the trees around us that we love. Thanks for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum.
0: You're welcome. Utah Weekly Forum is produced by KSFI FM 100.3 in Salt Lake City, a Bonneville International Station. Subscribe to the Utah Weekly Forum podcast online and email us at rebecca at fm100.com. A gun in the face.
1: Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today.
0: Started two years of horror for an American in
1: Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and...